Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. After Kyler Murray and the Cardinals agreed on that contract extension, I really thought that that would be the last time that I would talk about Kyler Murray and that contract extension. And holy crap, was I ever wrong about that. Because it is back, and it's uglier than ever. The devil is in the details, and in the details of this contract is a homework clause. You heard me correctly. There is an actual homework clause. You know, like the kind of contract you draw up with your 12-year-old to make sure they do their biology project before they get any screen time. And wait for it. There really is a screen time component to this. The clause has the heading, quote, independent study addendum between Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray. And it goes on to read, and I quote, Players shall complete at least four hours of independent study each week, excluding any bye week during each playing season during the term of the contract. End of quote. In other words, you do your homework or we're ripping your phone. Is that an NFL franchise talking to their franchise quarterback or me talking to my teenage son? Because that sounds like the same exact conversation I've had 100 times with Rogan Loam. Rogan Loam. Yet the cards actually wrote that into the contract that he needs to study four hours of film on top of what he's already studying every single week. That's an actual thing. That's actually in his contract. Four hours. Less than 45 minutes per day. Like, I'm not sure what's worse. Needing to put that into a franchise quarterback's contract or actually putting that into a franchise quarterback's contract. Now, I think you know it's a given. I stuck my neck out for this guy for so much of last season. Just as it's a given, the Cards are a great jungle team. There's a hell of a lot to like about that roster. There's a hell of a lot to like about that organization. But not very much at all to like about this story. I mean, it is a terrible look for everybody involved. Terrible for Kyler that he's not putting in the time necessary to be the guy. And terrible for the team that they just guaranteed 160 mil to a dude that they do not trust and that they have to force to study film. Even more ridiculous, I wonder what the negotiation regarding the film study involved. I mean, did the team try to mandate eight hours a week only to have Kyler's agent counter with two? And did they settle on four? I mean, nothing should shock me at this point of my career and my life. But mandating that a professional athlete study film shocks the hell out of me. It's ridiculous that you feel you have to put that into a contract. Ridiculous that you're mandating that of a guy who you just guaranteed 160 mil to. I I mean, what a terrible look for Murray. Is there also a make your bed clause? Is there a pick up your room clause? Is there a mow the lawn clause? Is there a wash your dishes clause? Is there a turn off the lights clause? Is there a shut the door the AC is on clause? Is there a walk the dog clause? Is there a pick up your room clause? I mean, literally, these are all things other than the dog that I've had to talk to Rogan Loam about over and over. Is there a stop leaving the jacuzzi on clause? All these things. In case you're wondering... In case you're wondering, it's film that Kyler watches during mandatory meetings. That film does not count. Again, he can't have a running clock during mandatory meetings and then claim credit for that. He has to do the four additional hours on his own on top of what he's already doing with the team with film that the team provides for him. All right, so what a total lack of trust. You know what this is? This is Jamarcus Russell blank DVD material. 
Jamarcus Russell. Jamarcus Russell blank Jamarcus DVD Russell. territory. Remember that whole thing? And as if that weren't humiliating enough, there really is a clause in the clause about screen time. Quote, players shall not receive any credit for independent study with respect to any time periods during which any material is displayed on an iPad or other electronic device if a player is not personally studying or watching the material while it is being displayed or played or be player is engaged in any other activity that may distract his attention. For example, watching television, playing video games, or browsing the internet while such material is being displayed or played. Holy bleep. Like, I I can't even believe I just read that clause. Like, that's a clause in an NFL franchise quarterback's contract. That's a clause in a $230 million contract. Are you bleeping kidding me with that? You know what that is? That's online traffic school. Online traffic school. They're going to be monitoring him to make sure he's actually looking at the screen and doing what he's supposed to be doing and not gaming, scrolling, or porning during study time. (laughs) I mean, this story. What happens if they do catch him doing any of that? You know he's getting his phone and his PS4 privileges ripped. And do not come for a second up in here and try to tell me this is normal. This is not unusual. This doesn't happen. I mean, this doesn't happen. Just like I don't want to hear that Murray already does this kind of film study and the Cardinals just want to get it in writing. The hell he does. The hell they did. You do not put this into a contract if it's already happening. You put it into a contract because it's not happening. You put it into the contract as a way of getting out of the contract or parts of the contract if it doesn't happen. Moreover, the guy actually admits he doesn't watch a ton of film. Even worse is his explanation for why he doesn't watch a ton of film. It's because he's so sharp. It's because he's so smart he doesn't need to. He said as much to the New York Times in December. Quote, he said this to the New York Times. Quote, I think I was blessed with the cognitive skills to just go out there and just see it before it happens. I'm not one of those guys that's going to sit there and kill myself watching film. I don't sit there for 24 hours and break down this team and that team and watch every game because in my head I see so much. End of quote. Again, how many times in one take can I say, holy crap, but want to say, holy ish? That's an amazing thing to say. Imagine thinking that, much less saying that. Imagine thinking that you have the, quote, cognitive skills to not have to watch film and that you're not going to, quote, kill myself watching film. Imagine thinking that and then imagine actually saying it out loud. And not just saying it out loud, but saying it to the New York Times and saying it when you're going to be negotiating a contract in a few months. So, of course, this homework clause is a terrible look for Kyler, a brutal look for Kyler, especially when there were already questions about his leadership and his commitment in the past. It underlines all the worst questions about that leadership and commitment and puts them in bold in a legal document worth 230 mil. Terrible look for him. But by the way, don't sleep on how bad that looks for the team too. You just agreed to a $230 million contract with a guy that you do not trust to do the work. You're on the hook for crazy guaranteed jack for a guy that you have to treat like a 12-year-old. If you have that little confidence in your quarterback to do that part of the job, why are you giving him the contract? And if you have that little trust in him, why are you paying him? I'm not sure what Murray and the team were hoping to achieve with that clause, but all they really got was they made each other look terrible. I have never seen a $230 million contract do this kind of damage to a guy's reputation. As much as they might get for those four hours a film study, the damage they did by putting that into a contract cannot be undone. 
Hope those four hours of homework every week are worth it because your franchise quarterback looks like a child because it's in there. And the franchise doesn't look much better. And never, ever, ever say that I won't come for those I love. That hurt me as much as it hurt them. In fact, I'm not even done yet. Is Steve Kime going to make Kyler study in the same room so he can keep an eye on him? Is Cliff Kingsbury going to disconnect the Wi-Fi if he catches Kyler on Discord? Is Steve checking Kyler's headphones and finding out that he's actually listening to some YouTuber? I mean, good luck shaking this. And this is going to be like this all season long. Like, I can't wait for Monday morning sports talk banner after the cards play the Chiefs. Like, if Kyler balls out of his eyeballs, it'll be like, Kyler definitely pushed away from the PlayStation and mixed in game film sesh. Or, if he has three picks and the Chiefs do boat race him, instead of going over the correct play calls, Kyler was going over his play on Call of Duty. The tabs will be screaming, Kyler prefers his Xbox over his X receiver. I got one more question. How the hell did this get out? How the hell did that get out? Who wanted that leaked? I don't know. I mean, one theory comes to mind. Has anybody seen Charlie Casserly lately? Or has one clone glossed him, Charlie Asserly? Was old Charlie hiding in the AC ducts above the conference room? Did C-squared go mission impossible, suspend himself from the ceiling, and make copies of the contract like Ethan Hunt making copies of the knock list? Did he slip a laxative into the janitor's coffee? You know, casually in a tight black gymnast suit, catching a bead of sweat from his glasses before it falls on the touch-sensitive floors? Tell you what, if I'm Casserly, I post a pic on Instagram of me rocking a shirt that says Vindication on the front and Told Ya on the back. Man, if I'm Chuck, I'm making the rounds to all the TV shows. Just call me Car Wash Casserly. Leadership, not good. Okay, study habits, not good. The board work, below not good. Me, extra good. Me, above good. Me, what's better than good? What a wild story. You get a mandate that this guy does his homework? I think I want to start this with a quick question. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long? Well then, Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel, and it offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. 48 hours. Now that right there is a number. 48 hours. Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and clean on your skin, and it's quick and easy to use, especially when you're on the go. Also, Dove Men Dry Spray contains... Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin, leaving your skin feeling comfortable, and it helps to protect it. What I'm saying is, try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry. Clean feel all day. Paul Christ is my guest. Paul, it's so good to have you back. How are you? Good, Jim. How are you doing? Good, good. So, media days, Big Ten media days are today. But before we get into that in the season, I got to know, what did you do in the offseason? Were you able to get away, unplug a little bit? How did you kind of rejuvenate, refresh, and renew? Yeah, we had a it was a good summer. June was busy with our players and uh, and recruiting. And then uh, a couple of weeks in July, my uh, my daughter got married, and, and we went up to northern Wisconsin. So I had a good good time away, and we're excited to be back. Needless to say, you know how I feel about northern Wisconsin. So what was that <laughs> like? Right. How did the wedding go, and what was that day like for you? It was a beautiful day, and it was uh, we had good weather up there the whole time. And uh, obviously, it's a special day, and, and 
The Northwoods are still a good place to be. Yeah, no, the Northwoods are still the best place to be. Paul Chris <laughs> is joining us. All right, so you know that the Badger fans want to get into it and they want to know what's going on. So let me ask you this. It's been a busy offseason, starting with the fact that you brought in Bobby Ingram to be the offensive coordinator. The two of you worked together at Pitt. What do you remember about that time together and what's it been like to work with him again so far? Yeah, I've, I've felt real fortunate when – our paths crossed and was able to work with Bobby and uh, for a couple of years and then obviously stayed in touch and, and had a ton of respect for who he is as a as a person and as a coach and and then kind of been talking about it a number of times and over the years and if things ever were to kind of line up right uh, to get back and and kind of do this and so this past off season it was you know it was fortunate that that. Everything was able to work out, and it's been great to have him back. I think he brings a, a you know, certainly a, another great experience and knowledge and an energy, and uh, really I'm grateful and, and appreciate the uh, him being here with us. And you know, with all of them, you're excited for our players, you know, to get to be around him and and uh, you know for the impact. And you know, he's got so many experiences, and you know as a player, as a coach, and just as a person, it's uh, it's been really good. Paul Christ is joining us. So, Paul, when you look at that, it seems like, to me, offensively you had a lot of success, but that did not stop you from trying to improve upon what success you had. And then you go to quarterback Graham Mertz, and apparently he dropped 11 pounds in the offseason, and he's talked about feeling more mobile and throwing better than ever. He's also spent some time with Scott Tolzien, Brooks Bollinger. He's been working with your nephew, Keller Christ, who's now a graduate assistant. How valuable has it been for him to connect with other quarterbacks who've played at a high level? Yeah, I think that's uh, you know certainly when you have those opportunities, it's uh, it's a gift and and I think for Graham, you know he's got enough experience that when he has those conversations, you know things truly resonate for him. You know, and it's it's not just you know when things go well, but when you're struggling or how do you overcome different obstacles or whatever it may be, how you deal with certain pressures or situations and and so i'm you know i appreciate you know graham the willingness and and you know one thing i've always appreciated about him is he will work at it and he'll do whatever it takes but then also you know for the for the other guys you know for brooks and scotty and and to to take the time and you know truly invest in it i think that's one of the the neatest things we got going here is that you know players will come back and and they they care about the guy and, and they care about the program. And so I think, you know, give credit to Graham for taking advantage of, of those opportunities and, and for those guys for giving them the opportunity. And listen, if you're under center and you're in that position in that program, there's going to be pressure. What do you think about what you've seen from Graham so far and the way he's dealing with that expectation and the fact that there are a lot of eyes on him? Yeah, I think, you, you know, he – he came in and and there was going to be kind of the inherent a lot of expectations and, and pressure and I think he's you know he's had some really good moments and he had times like every every player and certainly every quarterback where you know it doesn't go exactly how you want it to go and 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 it's how do you come out the other end of it and and that's why I admire the most about him and and you know I've like I said I've I really have enjoyed watching him and appreciate the time that he's spent you know on himself and really with with everyone else on the team and and um you know certainly for us to have the season we want to have he's going to be a big part of it and, but I think he's doing things to to help him that way and and for that uh, you can't help but be excited and look forward to getting going in, in fall camp and but you know the last really when he came back in in winter workouts and spring ball in this summer it's it's been really good and it's kind of getting better wisconsin head football coach paul christ is joining us so paul defensively you had a great great unit last season and you lost a lot of starters from that group how do you go about replacing all of that talent and that character yeah we, we did you know we we played really good defense and, and have for really a number of years and and uh and we you know we've got two inside backers that were extremely productive for us. And, and so they're gone. You know, lost a lot of guys in the secondary. And yet, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the inside backers that we have coming. Now they haven't 
they haven't played as much, and, and so it's it's a little bit different. But I, I like the the young talent that we have there, and then you know at the safety position, you know I think that we've got a a young safety and and Hunter Wooler who I think is going to be a really really good player, and then we've got a couple other guys that that have played our, our safety John Torchio from out in California. He's played a lot and. We've got a transfer, and, and I'm excited about him. So I, I feel real confident. You know, it's 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 new names maybe for our fans, but feel really good about them. And, and same thing at the cornerback position. We've got Alex Smith, who's played a lot of football for us, and then we've got a couple transfers that are coming in. So I feel confident, and I think we've got enough depth there to create some good competition that that's, will help everyone. And, and then we've got up front our, our defensive line, we lose Matt Henningsen, who went on. He's with the Broncos right now, but we've got some really good players there. And so I think it's it's certainly new names, but but I feel like we've got some talent, and, and obviously feel fortunate. You know, Jim Leonard coordinating and, and defensive staff. I, you know, we got work to do, but I like the group that we got. Paul Chris joining us for a few more moments. I know that Jim Leonard is an absolute asset, and I know you appreciate having him there. I know the guys love to play for him. Torch said as much. He told the Athletic as much. Speaking of Torch, I love the fact that you've got a California kid there. You know I'm a SoCal guy, but at the same time, we do have a son who goes to Wisconsin. I know you know that too, and that we have a deep connection to the state. I got to ask, Paul, will the Big Ten still feel like the Big Ten when USC and UCLA become a part of it, or does it change the identity of the conference a little bit? Yeah, I think that, you know, I I don't know, right? But it's... uh... I, I think that, you know, having gone through it with the additions of of other schools, I absolutely do believe that there's going to be a feel to the Big Ten, but there's no question it's different. And, and it's, you know, that's the way things are going and progressing. And and yet, you, you know, I think of our players and, and the opportunities to to play those teams. It's uh, That part's exciting to me. And, you know, I think that's one thing I've always appreciated You've know, been fortunate to be around the Big Ten for a, a number of years, and and the conference games always mean something. And and you know you're going to go up against really good football players and and great programs with tradition and history that um, is kind of part of it. And so I think in that way it fits. It's it's it is different, but it I, th- I think it'll fit. And and like anything, over time, it'll become a little bit more. But there's no doubt, you know, college football. It's, it's changing in, in, in some ways and for some people rapidly, but I think it's you can, it's also a change that you can embrace and and get around. And yeah, it's, you know, we used to be able to grow up and you understood kind of who was in the conferences and it kind of helped you with learning geography and which states were aware. It's not that way anymore, but I still think there's enough of the, the essence of it that it'll I'm hopeful of it. Hey, Paul, one quick follow on that. I respect your opinion on that. You mentioned, obviously, college football is changing right now. I had Jay Norvell on the program yesterday from Colorado State, and we talked about the direction and the change in the sport. And I asked him this, and I want to ask you, from where you're sitting, do you feel like it's heading in the right direction, or do you have some concerns? I think that, you know, you – I don't know that you know exactly which direction it's going. I – I do believe that we're making progress and and being able to do some things for the for the student athletes. You know, I I completely embrace and and I'm grateful for um, you know the the way the conferences and the realignments. That's probably just you got to get used to it. I think you, you know, what I mean, that doesn't hit you. If you'd have told me five years ago that some of these would have happened, I don't think. That I would have believed that that was would have been the case, but um, you know I think that there's certainly you know where it's going. I don't know how sustainable it is or for how long. That's a concern, but I think what's driving some of it, you know, I'm ex- I'm excited for, and I think it is good. And so I think that you know we've got to embrace the 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 new challenges, and and then hopefully. Kind of together, we, we can kind of all come up with what's best for everyone and for student athletes, for universities. You know, I do believe strongly that there's great value to collegiate athletics, and 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 I want to be a part of be a part of that. And I think there's 
I think it's important for schools. It's important for, you know, us as programs in you know, representing those schools in the states. And, and so there's no doubt there's a lot going on. And, and so um, I'm hopeful, but there is a lot of change, certainly. Fact of the matter is, Paul, you have to embrace the inevitable. You have no choice. You must embrace the inevitable, and the inevitable is the Rome family is making an annual pilgrimage to one of your games this year. (laughs) So you're going to get stuck seeing me whether you like it or not. Listen, I I appreciate it. it. Great to have you on the show. I will be there this year. I promise. Whether you like it or not, it's inevitable. We love it. Embrace the change. (laughs) Great having you, Paul. Thanks so much. I appreciate it, Jim. Take Take care. Take care, Coach Paul Christ. Oh, yeah. I absolutely love that sound. Brings a smile to my face every single time because that is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. That's why I love that sound. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstart startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere and synchronize online and in-person sales and effortlessly stay informed. They can do all of that for you. Listen, scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. I know this. I know where we started. I know where we are right now, and I'm still on that journey. And like mine, Shopify powers over millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. Go to shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase, and get a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash R-O-M-E right now, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. All right, so let's go to the next topic. I referenced the article that Mike Sando of The Athletic wrote, and it involves NFL quarterbacks. And as part of their ranking, he spoke to some 50 coaches and executives. And some of these quotes also pretty eye-opening. Why don't we start with Trey Lance? Trey Lance came in at number 29 on that list. All right, so just stop on that for a minute. Trey Lance came in number 29 on the list. Again, it's just a list. It's just a list written by a writer. But number 29. However, the fact that he's 29th on the list and Jimmy G is 16th is an indication of what the quotes regarding those two might be like. And when you get to the quotes themselves, they're even worse than the ranking. One coach whose team plays the Niners this year said, quote, that would be like my early Christmas present if they just get rid of Jimmy so that way he can't play for them and then make Trey be your guy. End of quote. Uh-oh! Pretty savage. Like, for as much as people pile on Jimmy G, and they all do, those who know, know that they'd much rather take their chances against Trey Lance than Garoppolo. In the meantime, most of the world is always piling on Garoppolo. This guy's saying it's an early Christmas present if they run this guy and we have to deal with Trey Lance. And there's more. Check out this quote. You get Russell Wilson out of here, and now we've got Trey Lance playing, and it's like, oh, thank you. It just went from a really good quarterback division to being one of the softer divisions. End of quote. Again, a punch in the face. But that still was not even the most damning thing that was said. He was also compared to the single worst quarterback that you can be compared to. No, not Chad Henney. No, not Blake Bortles. No, not anybody other than this guy. One head coach told the athletic, quote, the very little I've seen of him last season He's got a little Tim Tebow to him. End of quote. I mean, stop. 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 He's already dead. You've killed him. I mean, the hell did Trey Lance ever do to you 
whoever the hell you are. It's not true. Must be the worst thing ever. Because comparing a quarterback to Tim Tebow is about the worst thing ever. Why would you ever do that? Well, according to this anonymous coach, Lance has a, quote, long delivery, end quote. And there are, quote, some mechanical things he has to work out, end of quote. In other words, saying a quarterback has a little Tebow in him is the equivalent of saying he has a whole lot of QB bullcrap in him. And again, I want to be very clear about Tebow. Maybe the best guy ever, and maybe one of the worst NFL quarterbacks ever. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. They can both be true. Incredible human being and a really poor NFL quarterback. I mean, that's pretty rough. You got guys out here comparing Trey Lance to Tim Tebow. That's rough. That tells you everything you need to know. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch better be right about this. Because they're getting rid of a guy who had them this close to winning the Super Bowl for a guy who reminds people around the league of Tim Tebow. And opponents in the division are partying because of it. Again, I'm not talking about Twitter eggs or randos or hot takers. (laughs) But apparently legitimate anonymous NFL sources saying, yeah, I don't know. I look at that guy and I see some Tim Tebow. But it wasn't just the comments about Trey Lance that had people uh, talking. Also coming out of that column, there was an anonymous D coordinator weighing in on Lamar Jackson. Jackson. Check this out. You've probably seen it already, but if not, check this out. Quote, he's so unique as an athlete, and he's a really good football player, but I don't care if he wins the league MVP 12 times. I don't think he'll ever be one as a quarterback. He'll be one as a football player, but not a quarterback. End of quote. Honestly, it might be the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Man, I am so sick and tired of this notion that Lamar Jackson is a football player, but not a quarterback. It was an asinine take when he was coming out of Louisville as a Heisman winning quarterback, and it's even more asinine right now. It's like some dopes. Had some really bad takes on Lamar Jackson years ago, and they have not bothered to update them at all since then. Despite the fact that he was the youngest MVP in league history and the second unanimous MVP ever. Remember how stupid it was when that guy said that Jackson was a better wide receiver prospect than a quarterback going into the draft? Yeah, well, this is even worse. Now, I'm not saying Lamar is perfect, but here's what I am saying. As a league MVP, he's 37-12 and 12 as a starter. His team is 1-6 without him. This dude is 37-12 and 12 as a starting quarterback, and that moron is saying he's not a 1. He's not a good quarterback. The guy has better numbers in clutch situations than Patrick Mahomes over the past three years, but he's not a good quarterback. This guy's team has never really invested in the offensive line, never really invested in wide receivers, but he was still the best passer in the NFL outside the numbers last year before he got hurt. And how about the part where this dope says, quote, I don't care if he wins the league MVP 12 times. I don't think he'll ever be a one as a quarterback. End of quote. (laughs) Just so we're clear about that. Peyton Manning was a league MVP five times. This guy's out there saying Lamar could win seven more than the five head and still would not be a good quarterback. Tom Brady is a three-time MVP. So if Lamar won 12, he'd have four times as many MVPs as the greatest quarterback of all time, but still wouldn't be a good quarterback. I mean, at that point, you're telling on yourself. Just say you don't like the man and move on. Just say that and keep moving because you're clearly not basing any of this on anything football related. What you're saying has nothing to do with football and everything to do with the fact that you just don't like the guy. Admit it. Just admit that you're a hater or a moron moron. or worse. 
Because that's really what you're saying when you spew that garbage about Lamar Jackson. Garbage. Honestly. And then back to the anonymous head coach who made the comment about Trey Lance having, quote, a little Tebow to him. I mean, I'll tell you what. You make a statement like that, you clearly have no concern for that man's livelihood and his family. I mean, you do realize a statement like that sticks not only to Trey, but his kids and his kids' kids. You practically have cursed the Lance legacy for eternity. I mean, who are you? And what are you doing in the summer of 2023, whoever you are? Because I may give you a golden ticket. Because I've got a golden ticket. I've got a golden ticket. Trey Lance had to think. Yeah, man, I've heard a lot of crap. And I know a lot of crap comes with the job. And I know that I don't have that much experience. And I didn't play that much in college. And I didn't play much last year. And when I did play, I didn't really impress anybody. So I'm going to have to take the good with the bad. And I know this is part of the territory. But Tim Tebow comparisons? Oh, hell no. How am I supposed to bounce back from that? How does anybody bounce back from that? Hey, Kyle, if I were you, I'd take that little jump pass at the goal line out of the playbook. That's damning. So I have a brand new product that I can't wait to tell you about. The Turbo Extreme Steam Steam and Iron 2-in-1. I love this bad boy. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If you know anything about me, even before my radio program became a TV simulcast, I always want to look buttoned up. Always want to look professional. And part of that is making sure that I am wrinkle-free. I found myself the most powerful handheld steamer. I love it. It's fast. And there is easy wrinkle removal. An extra-large sole plate that can be used vertically or horizontally. And it works without steam as a dry iron. I'm talking about the Conair Turbo Extreme Steam. Advanced heat technology is ready almost instantly and it obliterates wrinkles with turbocharged dry steam. Four settings for delicate to turbo is perfect for all fabrics. Plus, it is easy to use and it's great both for at home or on the go. Again, I love this product. To get yours today, go to Amazon and search for Conair Turbo Extreme Steam. That's Conair Turbo Extreme Steam. Jason McCordy is my guest. Jason, it's good to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Jason, I would imagine it has been a whirlwind the last couple of weeks. You announced your retirement. You were introduced as the new host of Good Morning Football. What has this whole transition been like? Oh, man, like you said, it's definitely been a whirlwind. Uh, One week I'm announcing retirement from the NFL. The next week I'm announcing uh, joining an amazing show and and Good Morning Football. So retirement was short-lived, but I'm I'm excited about the transition and a new opportunity uh, to go to work uh, every day with some great people. So, Jason, tell me about last season. You suffered a foot injury in October, and then you had surgery in November. You had told Albert Breer that at one point you were actually kind of spiraling a bit. What was that injury and the recovery process like for you physically and mentally? What was that challenging time like? Yeah, uh, I think the toughest thing for me is I went into year 13 going down to, uh, to South Florida, and the thought process in my mind was, hey, uh, this could be it. I go down here and enjoy my 13th year. Uh, family coming with me. We're in a great city. Uh, then you get hurt, uh, not even midway through the season. And uh, first get injured, I'm just like, oh, hopefully it's just not too bad and I can be able to come back. And you find out it's a Liz Frank. you got to have surgery. you got to go through that whole process. And I think early on it was just a little bit of the, the why me. Like Why is this happening to me now when all I wanted was 10, 11 more games? And I think – uh, over a few weeks' time, I kind of snapped out of it, and it was just a realization, uh, a lot of conversations with my wife of just like, man, things happen for a reason, and in time you'll you'll fully be able to understand why you're going through this. And I think it was in that time that it became clear to me that uh, my football career was done, and I'm fortunate enough to just be able to have something to transition into and something to be able to pour into so I can continue to work and build purpose through jobs. Okay, so you nailed it. I mean, you you just, 
I don't even think that you know to the extent that you nailed it, but I think you do. I, I still have athletes say to me, hey, listen, I want to be in the media. What should I do? What advice do you have for me? And you just nailed it. You want to make sure you have purpose and you want to attack it the same way you did your career, even if it's not as exciting initially as your actual career. You seem to understand this. But the thing about the media is the media is changing so dramatically. I would answer that question differently now than I would even five years ago. And you've got the so-called new media. I'm curious, how are you going to approach your media career and with what mindset? Yeah, uh, I'm excited. I think the number one thing, I got a chance to take part in the broadcast boot camp uh, that the NFL puts on uh, this past April. And I think what you just said, the number one thing is you got to realize that it's work. It's a grind. Uh, right now, I've had two days on Good Morning Football. I'm up at 4.40 in the morning car, uh, taking a car service into New York City. Um, that's not easy. you got to prepare for the show each and every day. You have to bring energy each and every day. Uh, for me, I was fortunate enough to play 13 years in the NFL. I want to be able to shed some of that insight uh, on fans and everybody else that's watching. And for me, I'm just excited uh, of what's to come. Devin and myself, like you said, we were able to do a podcast uh, for four years, and I think media is what you make it. And for me, uh, I'm excited that I don't have to be negative every time. And I think you see uh, a wide variety of uh, different people talking sports, uh, whether it is podcasts, whether it's TV, whether it's radio. And I want to be able to carve out my own niche to be able to talk about the game intelligently, but also have fun. And I think that's what I'm most excited uh, about joining Good Morning Football, because that's what we do. My man, you get it. You understand this. You do not need to say things just to say things to get people to look at you to have success. I'm not saying that that doesn't work for certain people, but you don't have to do that. You mentioned your brother. So what's going to happen ultimately? Like, he's going to play really well, but then it's football, right? There are Sundays where he might not have a great Sunday. Are you going to have any issue pointing out that he did not have a great Sunday if he doesn't have a great Sunday? No, not at all. I think that's the, uh, the cool thing about us. Uh, bantering back and forth is something that we've done uh, our entire lives. And, uh, I won't have a problem. I think uh, as soon as he makes a play, I'll be the first one singing his praises and probably won't be able to wait to do a segment on how good of a player uh, he was on that Sunday and throughout his entire career. Uh, but I think facts are facts. And I think we both understand that. Uh, both have been play- I've played the game for so long. Uh, I had good relationships with different media members of teams I've played for. And I understood, hey, if I go out there – and give up two touchdowns like there's not much good things to write about me so uh i think that's part of the job and uh dev understands that he was at the broadcast boot camp with me and maybe one day he may be going into media as well so he'll fully understand that if he's out there uh giving up a ton of yards and stuff i'm gonna have to call him out and maybe even mention that they should probably sign me instead of him So really quickly, on the flip side of that, I'm a member of the media, and I also have had really good relationships with teams and players, but when things don't go well, I have a job to do as well. As an example, the Arizona Cardinals, pretty critical. I was pretty critical of them at the top of the program. I'm curious, what's your reaction to that clause in Kyler Murray's contract requiring him to do four hours of film study every week and the fact that they had to put that in his contract? Yeah, very odd. And I think for me, my issue with it is it creates a distraction. Yeah, we can – all get on Kyler Murray and say, oh, he should be watching more film. Oh, this is what everybody's been saying about him. But my issue is now that this, been, this has been put in the contract, Kyler Murray has to answer questions every day about it as, this, as the start of training camp rolls around. And maybe that's what the team wanted. Maybe they felt like if it was public, he'd be held accountable. But I think the flip side of that is now if I'm a member of the Arizona Cardinals and I just had a great day out there at training camp, got two interceptions, I'm hoping to make the team – Day one, when I get off the field, I'm going to be asked about Kyler Murray's film watching after he just signed a 200 and some million dollar contract. And uh, I said uh, earlier today is that we should be also giving him some of his flowers because this guy's played three years, has played well, well enough to earn a humongous contract without watching film. So, yes, do we want our quarterback to watch more film? Yes, if Kyler Murray maybe puts a little bit more preparation in, can the Arizona Cardinals finish the season a lot stronger than they have done the past two years? Yes, but I said it uh, on Monday. You do not pay a guy and hope and wish that he's going to become a different person. Yes, you can put this addendum in the contract. Kyler Murray can go home, turn a video game, hit play on his iPad, and just let the film run, and no one will never know whether he put an hour in or five minutes. So I think it's one of those things where this guy's been a playmaker, he's made plays, and I don't see any reason why that's going to stop happening. But I do think this thing has just created a big distraction for 
not only Kyler Murray, but for the team as well. He is a 13-year NFL vet, a Super Bowl champ, and has got a new opportunity as the host of the NFL Network's Emmy Award-winning Good Morning Football. Jason, you're going to do just fine with that mentality and that mindset. Nice job. Really good to have you. Congrats on that. I hope you and I can do it again soon. I look forward to it. Appreciate it. He arrives at Dallas Cowboys training camp yesterday and immediately is met with questions about his future and whether or not that might be his last Dallas Cowboys training camp. And the big fellow was not happy about that at all. He told the Dallas Morning News, quote, it's irritating that the first question you ask me has nothing to do with how I do my job. I show up every day for work to win a championship. How do we win today? That's what I'm asking. My viewpoint is that it's not a story. It's a media-driven narrative, or at least a narrative driven outside my realm. End of quote. Hey, Mike. Ah! Wrong answer. To paraphrase the legendary Larry Robinson, welcome to the friggin' National Football League. Welcome to the friggin' National Hockey League. Welcome to the friggin' National Football League. Welcome to the friggin' National Hockey League. Welcome, big fella, to the first day of the rest of your life as Cowboys head coach. You were asked about that as soon as you walked through the door. You will be asked about it again in camp. You will be asked about that again throughout the season. And the only way to stop getting asked about that is if you get fired or you quit. That's how it goes. Welcome to the friggin' National Football League. Welcome to the friggin' National Hockey League. Wake the hell up, big fella. Wake up. You should know this question's coming. You of all people should know this question's coming. And if you know it's coming, you should have a good answer locked and loaded because it's going to be coming a lot. And you know what? You should be happy it's coming. See, you know how I keep trying to take these negative things and turn them into positive things? I keep saying turn it on its head. You should do the same thing. This is not a negative thing that they're asking you about your job. You know why that is? Because you should hit your knees every single night and be grateful that you get to be asked about your future as the Cowboys head coach. Because after last season, you're lucky you still have a future as the Cowboys head coach. You won one of the softest divisions in the league last year, and then you got bounced at home on this play. Receivers go left, including Tony Pollard. It's a designed run for Dak Prescott, 30, 25. Gets hit from behind by Aziz Alshire. They got to get up and clock the ball. Five, four, three, two. Dak, will, will he get it off in time? No. With one second to go. Did he spike the ball in time or no, not? No, he did not. He did not. The 49ers have won the game. What do you got, Alex Kemp? Did he spike it in time? 49ers are Jimmy Ward's got his helmet off ready to celebrate. That's well, the that, end of the game. Game is over. The 49ers have won. No way. A clock management issue involving Big Mike. Call timeout, Mike. Forget questions about your job this year. You're lucky that you were allowed back in the facility the morning after that disaster. You're lucky that you're around today to be hearing questions about your job this season because you pretty much earned a firing last season. And again, this is not just coming from the media. Jerry Jones hung you out to dry for nearly two weeks after that loss to the 49ers. The media didn't do that. Your sleepover buddy did that, no matter what he's saying right now. That's when the question started. And now Sean Payton is available. So those questions are louder and louder and louder because Jarrah loves him some Sean Payton. Understandably so. I mean, if this guy loved you, how do you think he feels about Sean Payton? And Jerry Jones also loves your D coordinator, Dan Quinn. Those are two different guys who could take your gig. So, of course, you're going to be on the hot seat. And then on top of that, the hot seat comes with this job, dope. That's the gig. That's what it's like to be the Dallas Cowboys head coach. Unless your name is Jason Garrett. If you're the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys and you are not currently holding a new Lombardi, you're going to be on the hot seat. And yet this guy, oh, monkey butt. Monkey butt. The guy who handed out powder last season 
to his players for red ass week is already getting a case of severe red ass before camp even starts. And based on how old Monkey Butt is responding, it's going to be a long ass, red ass season. In other words, if you do not like the line of questioning, go coach intramurals, brother. Brother. Go coach intramurals. Brother. Time to ring all those other dudes who are unemployed, who are in your band, and fire up the old barn once again and start preparing for the next gig because it's coming sooner than you know, especially you. Or maybe you do know, or you would not be snapping five minutes after showing up to work for the first time this year. Because not only are there better candidates for that job that are out there, there's a better candidate on your current staff already. Yet here's old monkey ass talking out his ass and out of both sides of his mouth, complaining and whining about the pressure Yet at the same time, trying to convince all of us that he's all about the pressure. He says, quote, is there more of this talk today than there was 10 years ago? Absolutely. Is there more here than other places? Definitely. That's accurate. But I'm here to win a championship. That's what gets me up in the morning. Which one is it, Mike? But it is a good thing that you're there to win a championship, and that's what gets you up in the morning because if you don't, you'll be back in that barn preparing for another gig that probably will not be available the next time around because I don't know that there's anybody other than Jerry Jones that would have bought that hype deck that you made. If Sean Payton ending up with your gig is inevitable, you may as well just sit back and enjoy it until it happens. Inevitable. Because it's inevitable. Inevitable. Jarrett loves him. He has cowboy ties. He is not coaching right now. He'll charge his batteries. He'll want to come back. And you're not good enough to keep that job. Not if you're crying already about the scrutiny. That was not handled well at all. But is anybody surprised? Time to fire up that barn. Jerry, of course, heard all of this and says, now hold up. He's my guy still. I've got his back. That's the guy. I got who I want. But one of the ones I want to address uh, directly because I guess it's uh, uh, the one that uh, uh, probably the one that I have the most sensitivity about, and that is Mike and him uh, coaching. And uh, I want to be real clear. He wouldn't be sitting here today if I didn't think he was the man to lead this team to a Super Bowl. He would not be, and I have choices. And uh, so that's not meant to be insensitive to anybody. That's a fact. Oh, that, that's got to make him feel a whole hell of a lot better. He just made my point. You have choices. Right. And you're going to make one of those choices. Again, Mike, pushing back on this line of questioning is only going to ensure that you're going to get twice as many questions about that. How do you not know that? What, did you not learn anything in your Green Bay experience? Were you the one that came back and said, be better, not bitter? The way to get the media off your back is not to criticize them for their line of questioning about your job security. You just guaranteed yourself twice as many of the thing that you want to end. Or you can win games. Or you can kill the clock. Or you cannot have the game end with you unable to snap the ball. There's all that. Quick reaction before I go to break. Hey, Rome, I know McCarthy is annoyed with being asked questions about his job, but I'm sure his job will be safe for years despite mediocre results. Regards, the clapper. The clapper. Like I said, anybody not named Jason Garrett? Adam Schefter tweets, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan met this morning with Jimmy Garoppolo. 
The three men talked, and after Shanahan told reporters, we have moved on to Trey. Of course. How is that not going to be the most awkward thing ever? Awkward. Hey, Alvin, go back to this really quickly. I mentioned it yesterday. I want to mention it again. At the end of the year, Jimmy G went way out of his way to say goodbye and thank everybody involved, and that was that. Except that was not that. He's still a member of that team. So that's extremely awkward. As I would imagine, it was extremely awkward when he showed up today as still a member of the team when he gave one of the grandest farewells ever. Quick thank you to all you guys, the media. Uh, since I got here, you guys have been awesome. It's been some ups and downs between all of us, but uh, for the most part, you guys have been awesome. Just good group to deal with. You guys are very, uh, very engaging, and it's just fun to be around you guys. You're from Eric making the jokes to every, everything in between. Just uh, it, It's been a fun ride, guys, and I really appreciate you for that. And, uh, yeah, I'll miss you guys. So thank you guys again. Faithful, thank you very much for everything. Uh, it's been crazy, man. Just uh, all the comebacks at Levi's, comebacks on the road, ups and downs. It's, it's been a hell of a ride, guys. I love you guys. So see ya. Why do I think that, and although I was not in the room, why do I think it was slightly more awkward when he and John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan came together this morning? Why do I think that there was not a tear in Jimmy's eye and he did not say, John, Kyle, wow, thanks, guys. Love you guys. There have been some ups, there have been some downs. I love you guys. Wow. Nah, I'm guessing it was a little more awkward than that. Because he's still here. Because he's still here. They have not found any takers yet. And the one thing you can't have with that young quarterback trying to establish himself is the old vet who gives them a better chance to win probably, even coming off surgery, still in the building. So Kyle had to tell reporters, quote, we have moved on to Trey. By the way, all those anonymous coaches in that Mike Sando report, chest bumping, high-fiving each other, bro-hugging it, the ones that were saying, hey, man, Jimmy G might not be Tommy B., But he ain't Trey Lance. We would much rather game plan for Trey Lance than we would Jimmy G. These guys are all sitting around going, you remember when this was a badass division like 10 minutes ago? Rudy in Topeka. Rudy, it's good to have you. How are you? I'm good, Jim. Actually, it's Rude Dog from North Topeka. Oh, hell yeah. That's great. So Why why do they call you Rude Dog? Because I'm a not polite cat. Ah. Actually, I don't give a damn why they call you Rude Dog. Rudy. Jeffrey Chadiha. Jeffrey, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing well. How you doing, Jim? My man, I'm great. It's great to hear your voice. Always good to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Why don't we start with a team that you are really familiar with, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs. You know them well. I want to get your thoughts. What do you make of the offseason they've had, and especially the trade of Tyreek Hill? Well, I think they reached a point where they had to do something as far as resetting. You know, I think when you win a championship and you have a chance at another championship, at some point the expenses get a little bit pricey. And so you're talking about having to move on from players who want big money. And that was Tyreek Hill. That was Tyron Matthew. You're seeing what's happening now with Orlando Brown Jr. not getting the contract he wanted to have. And so I think the Chiefs have decided that they want to make sure that Patrick Holmes is well-paid, around him are uh, cost-effective. They can continue to compete and win championships that way. We're talking to Jeffrey Chidiha. In fact, you got into a number of things that I was going to bring up, especially regarding Orlando Brown Jr. I might double back to that, but what about Tyreek Hill? Like, he's seemingly, Jeffrey's gone out of his way this offseason to hype (laughs) Tua at the expense of Patrick Mahomes. This week he called Tua, quote, the most accurate quarterback in the NFL I'm curious, in your opinion, what is that all about? I mean, do you believe that he believes that, or is he just trying to make it seem like he's in a better spot now than he was before? One, I don't believe he believes that. Two, he definitely wants to hype up his quarterback. And three, I think he's trying to make up for all the airtime he could not get when he was with the Chiefs because they were very careful about putting it in front of a microphone when he was on his team. 
and now you're seeing why. Um, he's a funny guy. He's a great player, but he can be a loose cannon. And, and I think that he's taken this opportunity to show the world his personality, which is great. Um, I, I think he wants people to see what he's about and what's on his mind. But, yeah, I, I certainly feel as if when he left Kansas City, their feeling was that if he had stayed one more year and was so, still hoping to get that big deal, he would have been a problem in the locker room, probably um, saying kind of things he's saying now as far as controversial statements. So it was probably best that he got the deal he got where it's at. And now he's trying to make the most of it and hype a quarterback who really does have to deliver this year. Jeffrey Chidiha, I think that's really interesting what you just said. Now, I had McCole Hardman on the show Friday, and he was pretty clear that Tyreek Hill is a great player. He had nothing but good things to say about him. But he also wanted to make clear, Jeffrey, that they didn't trade away the whole offense. How different do you think the offense is going to be without Hill? Well, they won't be hitting those 75-yard bombs that they used to, as frequently as they used to um, when they were in their heyday. And he was, Mahomes was in his first couple years with his offense. But it'll be more uh, dink and dunk. It will be more of Mahomes operating like a point guard, distributing the ball to different players. I like the mix of what they have with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, a, a true deep threat, Juju Smith-Schuster, a, a true possession guy, McCole Harmon with the speed and the flexibility, and then you mix in a Sky Moore, who's a young rookie who's got the potential that receiver. And then obviously you've got Travis Kelsey, who's one of the greatest tight ends ever. So, yeah, they're not going to um, – stop being a prolific offense, but they definitely hear what's being said. Mahomes even said that in his first interview at training camp, that they know that people expect them to take a step back this year, and they're not planning on doing that. Jeffrey Chidiha is joining us. Jeffrey, so what about the other big story of the week? What do you make of Arizona putting a film study clause <laughs> into Kyler Murray's contract? I mean, have you ever heard of anything like that before? I don't think anybody's ever heard of it before, at least not at that position. And, and we're all familiar with clauses, especially it's, it's kind of more common with offensive linemen or defensive linemen who can put on weight. So you make sure that they're at a, they're at a certain weight limit during the season. But to tell a quarterback, an NFL quarterback, a player who was drafted first overall, won a Heisman Trophy, that you got to go put some more work in. You have, you have to do a minimum amount of work as far as studying to play at this, at this level, it's, it's beyond me. And, you know, as a black man, it's certainly, to, to me it hits harder because two of the worst things you can ever say about a black person historically is that you're either dumb or you're lazy. And I, he's a smart guy. I've talked to, uh, to Kyler Murray before in interviews. And so this, this speaks to his work ethic. It speaks to the questions that people had about him as far as body language, as far as, handling uh, adversity as far as this team flaming out down the stretch. So, yeah, I think it, it's, a, it's a huge black eye on his, on his legacy. Jeffrey Jadiha is my guest. You know, really interesting what you just said. So where do you think that leaves him and the team? And I had made the point, Jeffrey, that I don't see how this benefits anybody that is out there. No. Do you think the team leaked it to have – to get some sort of additional leverage and hold him publicly accountable? Like, how did this get out, and where do you think that leaves him with the team? You know, that, that's a good question. And, you know, you never know exactly where this stuff comes from, but you, I could see how it could benefit them in, from the standpoint of trying to motivate him to be more on top of his game, and two, probably trying to, uh, I don't want to say throw him under the bus because they just shot him to a big deal but certainly putting the onus on him that if he's not playing well, the first thing people are going to say is, is he preparing as he should be preparing? And, and, and to me, that's, that's a tough thing for any quarterback to go through, especially a young quarterback who just signed a generational wealth deal. And I'm a Kyler Murray fan. I, I love watching him play. And, again, I, I love the chance I had to talk to him when he was in Oklahoma coming out in the draft. But, yeah, I, I don't know how you overcome this, and I don't know how you go into this season – the team, him, Cliff Kingsbury, not having to answer these kind of questions every week. Jeff, the thing is, I mean, I, I hyped him throughout last season. I've always loved the guy. I think his skill set's incredible. I think he's got great swagger, great confidence. I, I'm pro Kyler Murray. I'm just curious, how do you get to the right headspace after all yeah. this? Because he's got to put this behind him. This is not going to be an easy thing to do because you're right. When it comes time to point the finger, they're going to point the finger at him. Do you think he's got the wherewithal to put that behind him and get to the proper headspace and get it done? 
Well, I'll go back to the interview I had with him when he was at his pro day in Oklahoma, and he talked a lot about proving doubters wrong, um, overcoming you know adversity. People forget that a lot of people didn't think he could go from where he was, being a transfer to Oklahoma, playing baseball, to winning the Heisman Trophy, being a top pick, being a short quarterback. He, he's proven a lot already, and so I would assume that he can grow from this and learn from it. But I've never seen a guy make $230 million and <laughs> have a worse day <laughs> in my life. It's like this to be like you should be celebrating and, and feeling great about life and feeling, out, feeling good about how far he's come. And it's like he's back at square one now. I mean, he's got he's got to get this team into the playoffs. He's got to go back to a Pro Bowl. He's got to play at an MVP level for an entire year now to take the stink of this off his name. I think that that description that you just put out there is about as well as you can say it. It's weird, man. It is a weird, <laughs> weird deal. It should be the best day ever, and it's not that. Really quickly, we don't have a lot of time, but – we talked about this throughout the offseason. You've written about this. Why do you think Lamar Jackson's deal is not done yet? Who's that on? I suspect it's more on Lamar Jackson than it is the team, and probably because of the deal you just saw Kyler Murray do. Um, Lamar Jackson knows, no matter what people say about him, and I know he's a polarizing figure, and you either like him or you don't like the way he plays, he has an MVP. And he's won 37 out of 49 regular season games or, I think, career games since he's been playing in the NFL. And so he's a winner, and he's won at a high level. And so Deshaun Watson just got a deal for $230 million in guaranteed money, and he had 20-plus sexual assault charges against him. Kyler Murray just got a deal for $230 million, $160 million guaranteed, whatever it is. And obviously they're talking about how he prepares. I mean, Lamar Jackson, high character. He's won. He's been the face of the franchise. I think he wants as much money or more than those guys got, and the Ravens have to figure out how to get there. <laughs> I think that's what it comes down to. Right. NFL.com senior columnist, NFL Network on-air talent, a sports Emmy Award winner and author, a good friend of the program. We go way back. He is Jeffrey Chidiha, my man. Jeffrey, great to have you back. Appreciate you as always. Great job. Thanks so much for that. Thank you, man. Always great. Good night now!